This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday morning, the 27th of September, 2021. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Welcome to those of you listening around the world on the Live 365 Network, to those of you watching on Facebook as well. We appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. Lots to talk about. Of course, a huge NFL Sunday a uh, a lot of important games in Major League Baseball yesterday. If you are a Boston Red Sox fan, it was a brutal, brutal weekend as they get swept by the New York Yankees. And uh, you know what? I don't care whether the Red Sox are in contention, whether the Red Sox are 50 games back, or whether the Red Sox are 50 games up. You never want to lose to the New York Yankees. And uh, they did it in spectacular fashion. <laughs> this weekend two of the three games the Red Sox had leads late and the bullpen just uh gave them away you know another situation last night where the implosion of Matt Barnes is what really has hurt the Red Sox the fact that he was so reliable early in the season and then he's completely lost it he no longer is an option late in games you saw the other day that you know, Alex Cora is bringing him in in the sixth inning. Well, so what happens now? You end up in games, you know, important games, and you've got Hansel Robles and Garrett Richards in there. Uh, Adavanovino is another story. I mean, he ended up coughing up a couple of runs yesterday. Ryan Brazier came down and settled things down. Now, Adavino, uh, some bad luck, perhaps. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck on a pop-up should have had an out on Aaron Judge. Uh, he didn't catch the ball, didn't know where he was in, in relation to the, uh, the fence and let a ball drop that he should have caught. But regardless, after that, Adovino struck uh, Aaron Judge out, a ball that uh, one of those sliders that Christian Vasquez couldn't hold on to. And yet Joe West, the 68-year-old blind umpire, said, oh, no, it was a foul tip. You could clearly see on the replay that it wasn't, but it's not reviewable. So Aaron Judge gets life, and Aaron Judge makes the Red Sox pay, ends up getting a double. John Carlos Stanton follows with another home run, and the Red Sox snatch defeat from the jaws of victory for the second time in this three-game series. All they had to do was win one of the games in this series, just one. They came in with a two-game lead in the, in the wild-card race for the home field, all they needed to do was win one. You know, with the Red Sox schedule going down the stretch, you, you felt pretty good about where things were. Well, you don't feel so good anymore. The Red Sox are now a game back of the Yankees. They're still in playoff position, so, you know, I'm not pushing the panic button as far as that goes. And if you look at the schedule going down the stretch, you have to say advantage Red Sox. 
The Red Sox have six games left. Now, they're all on the road, but they're against the Baltimore Orioles, who have lost 106 games, and against the Washington Nationals, who since the, uh, the trade deadline are hideous. I mean, there's no reason why they shouldn't win five out of six. You know, I mean, you'd like to say they'll win six out of six. But a 106-loss Baltimore team in Washington at 16-37 and 37, since they started selling off pieces at the deadline, uh, you know, those have to be, it has to be five out of six. Now, if they win five out of six, not only are they making the playoffs, they're probably going to host the wild card game. But that's where we're at, you know, and it's a situation that the Red Sox didn't have to be in. But this bullpen has been a nightmare all year long. And with Barnes imploding and didn't help that Josh Taylor's hurt now, he's on the injured list with a, with a back. You know, you look at all this stuff, you look at all those things together, and, you know, as Pete Abraham put in the Boston Globe this morning, and it, he's right. You know, you look at the schedule and you say, well, the Red Sox are probably still going to make the playoffs. But as Pete Abraham said, they may not know what to do with it if they do get in. You know, and you hate to you hate to look at it like that. But it's kind of true. And if you're the Red Sox, you know, you've got your rotation set up the way you want. You've got today off and then Chris Sale will pitch the first game against the Orioles. And then he can come back and this is where it's going to get interesting. Depending on what happens between now and, you know, the last game of the year, which will be coming up against the Washington Nationals, the Red Sox have a decision to make. Who will start that wild card game? Do you want Chris Sale? Let's say you're going to face the Yankees or, or whoever in that one-and-done one game. Who do you want to start that game? Is it Chris Sale? who is just coming back, who, who, look, has been really good? Do you want him? Or do you want Nate Evaldi, who, according to the, you know, the stats, has been one of the you know, three or four best pitchers in the American League this year? Now, if you want Nate Evaldi, then your lineup or your rotation works out good. Chris Sale starts on Tuesday, and then he can start the last game of the season against the Washington Nationals, and then Evaldi will get the ball for the wild card game, which would come up on the 5th of October if that's what they want. Now, if you've, let's say you've won the first five of those six games and all of a sudden you don't need that last game against the Nationals, then maybe you, you make it a bullpen game or whatever and, or, you know, give it, give it to Tanner Houck or whatever you want to do. And then you have a decision. You can, you can then have the option of using Chris Sale or you have the option in that wild card game of using Chris Sale and Nate Valdi because it's a one and done. And you say, well, well, yeah, but then what if you advance? Well, you worry about that afterwards. You're going to have to advance in that game. You know damn well if it's the Yankees, you're going to see Garrett Cole. You know if it's the Toronto Blue Jays, you're probably going to see Hinjin Ryu or Robbie Ray. So, you know, it's not, you know, you're going to be facing a quality pitcher. So if you have to throw Chris Sale and Nate Valdi in that wild card game, you sure as hell do that. But yesterday was brutal. This whole series was brutal. The Red Sox got outscored 19-9. to But the worst part about it is, in the last two games of the series, the Red Sox allowed eight runs in the eighth inning. 
So of the 19 runs that the Yankees scored, eight of them came in the eighth inning in two games. Absolutely brutal. You know, thank God it was, you know, thank God it was late in the evening or I probably would have started drinking last night. It was just terrible. Uh, you know, look, and you say what you want about Joe West. He's retiring at the end of the year. He's reti- he's umpired the most games in the history of Major League Baseball. He blew that call. There's no question about it. You know, but at the end of the day, Bobby Dahlbeck drops that pop-up. The Red Sox pitchers walk too many guys. You know, Garrett Richards comes in and he pitches, you know, a one, two, three, seventh inning. Then he comes in the eighth. He walks the first two guys, and now all hell's breaking loose. You know, that happened the night before. They start, you just, you can't walk the ballpark coming out of the bullpen. So, it was rough. Uh, Aaron Judge dislocated a finger in that eighth inning. They popped it back in. You, you know, it was his pinky finger. He's probably going to be fine. He said he's done it before, but, you know, that, that'll obviously be something to watch. But now the Yankees have a huge series coming up, and it's the team that is chasing the Red Sox. The Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees square off for three games in Toronto starting on Tuesday. It's going to be Jamison Tyon, 8-6 and six with a 4-4-1 ERA, is going to get the start in that game. And Hinjin Ryu, who is 13-9 this year, is going to get the start for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the uh, Canada has now opened it up, or Toronto's opened it up, so that 30,000 fans can be in attendance at that game, up from the 15,000 that they had allowed previously. So it's going to hopefully be a raucous crowd. Toronto is one game back of Boston for the second wild card, two games back of New York for the top wild card. You know, and look, New York, New York's schedule down the stretch is rough. They've got the three at Toronto, and then they come back to Yankee Stadium, and they have to play the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, Tampa's already clinched the division, so the question is going to be for Kevin Cash and that that Tampa organization. Now, look, you you you're already in. You're already the division winner. What you have to decide then is, okay, how hard are we going to go after the Yankees, knowing that we're going to, you know, we're going to have time to set our rotation up? How hard do you go after the Yankees, or do you rest guys? And and the answer is, it's going to come down to who scares us the most. Is it the Yankees? Is it the Red Sox? Is it? The Toronto Blue Jays, it, look, Seattle's still in the mix. Who is it that scares us the most? And if your answer is the New York Yankees, that means the Rays go after them hard. And if that happens, you know, look, the Yankees, in terms of the games left, the Yankees have the toughest schedule. Their, their opponents have a 564 winning percentage. And the Red Sox opponents have a 430 winning percentage. Uh, the Blue Jays are basically playing 500 teams, you know, because they play the Orioles. They finish up with the Orioles. So the Jays are in good shape, you would think, if they can take care of business against the Yankees. And if they do that and the Red Sox do what they're supposed to do against Baltimore and Washington, the Yankees, even though they are a game up in the wild card right now, could still be the team that's on the outside looking in when all is said and done. The Mariners are still... Alive, they are two back of the second wild card. Now, the Mariners don't have 
an easy road out, but it's not it's not awful. They've got the Athletics for three. Now, Oakland is still technically alive. They're three back with six to play. They're going to need a lot of help. But they could help themselves by beating Seattle three times. And then um, the Mariners have the Angels as well. You know, I don't think Seattle is is viable because it means they have to, you know, leapfrog a couple of teams to get in. But, hey, I didn't expect that Seattle would be where they are at this point of the season. If you had told me prior to the season that Seattle was going to win 86 games at this point, I would have told you you're nuts. I mean, this Seattle team, if they finish strong, could be a 90-win team. No one saw that coming. They're still technically alive in the AL West race, but they're five back with six to play, so it's not likely. But, you know, and and if you're Toronto, you know, look, you have to be thrilled. Alec Manoa with another strong start for Toronto over the weekend. George Springer is back in your lineup. You know, he has been hurt all year, but he seems to be healthy. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez has been hotter than hell. He's, he's got 112 runs batted in. Teoscar Hernandez, he's got 64 since the All-Star break, which leads Major League Baseball. So this Toronto team is no joke. And they are going to try to make a big statement starting on Tuesday at home against those New York Yankees. The other series that's going to happen starting on Tuesday, which the entire baseball world will be watching, is the three games between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. Philly is two and a half back with six to play. And... They are they. If they have any shot, they have to sweep Atlanta. The chances of that are probably pretty slim. Now they're going to start off with Zach Wheeler, their best pitcher, one of the best pitchers in the National League. He will pitch the game on Tuesday against Charlie Morton. But that's after that is when it gets dicey for the Phillies. Their pitching staff just isn't very good. You know, Aaron Nola, who was supposed to be, you know, the ace of this staff a couple of years ago, has turned into a 500 pitcher that likes to get down early in games and has to rely on his offense to get him back in it. But Aaron Nola has not been very good for the last few years. You know, he's going to go down in Philly history, I think, as one of those guys that had all kinds of potential and just never lived up to it. So you have to give the advantage to Atlanta just because their starting pitching staff is so much better. You know, and Bryce Harper's having a hell of a year. He may well be the National League MVP. You know, but they lost Reese Hoskins for the season. That really hurt them. Andrew McCutcheon's having a nice year. They've got some guys that are doing some things offensively, but that pitching staff has let them down time after time after time. So you have to think that Atlanta is going to win at least one game in that series. And if they do that, it's over. Now, if the Phillies do happen to win it, you know, do happen to sweep them, well, then it's going to come down to some also-rans that are going to decide that National League East race. Because the Braves finish up with three games against the Mets, and the Phillies finish up with three games at the Marlins. So it could be the Mets and the Marlins may have something to say about this, although I don't think so. I really do think Atlanta will win at least one game in the series. I would not be shocked if they won two out of the three. And if, and if by the way, there's still a possibility Atlanta might have to play. They're, they're only going to play 161 games unless that game makes a difference. They had a game rained out against the Colorado Rockies back on the 16th of September. 
That game has not been made up. So if we get down to the end of the season and there's a half a game difference between Philly and Atlanta, Atlanta would have to play that game against Colorado. And then, you know, depending on what happens with that, those two teams could have to to uh, uh, to have a one-game playoff to see who the division winner is. So it's crazy. But that's, uh, that's where we're at as far as Major League Baseball goes uh, in the wild card races. Uh, as far as the National League goes, the only other question is, is whether the Dodgers are going to be a wild card team or whether they are going to be the division winner. They still trail the San Francisco Giants by two games. The San Francisco Giants have 102 wins. Absolutely amazing. 102 wins. Uh, they, their record since they've gone to San Francisco for most wins in the season was 103. Um, they're going to surpass that. Uh, the the Giants have a uh, uh, San Diego Padres for three to finish out the year. Um, and I can't I want to say the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks are in for three, and then they play the Padres. San Francisco is probably going to win, you know, even if they go 500, they're going to win 105 games. And if they do that, uh, the Dodgers don't have, the Dodgers are done. Can you imagine that? How about the Dodgers? The Dodgers could win 103, 104 games, maybe even 105 games if they finish well and have to play in a one-game playoff against a red-hot St. Louis Cardinals team, and they could actually lose. Can you imagine? People will lose their freaking minds. You know, people already hate this one-and-done wild-card thing anyway, but if a Los Angeles Dodgers team that, that wins 105 games loses to the, a St. Louis Cardinals team that wins probably 90 in the one-game playoff, Oh, people will lose their minds, and there'll be immediate calls for the wild card game to be, you know, series to be two out of three, which I think it should be anyway. I like—I don't mind the extra wild card team. I really don't. I-, I was against it in the beginning, but I think it's good. I think, look, you know, we've got teams that wouldn't be talking about anything at this point in the season if it wasn't for the wild card, right? Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. If there was only one wild card team, the St. Louis Cardinals would be done because they trail Milwaukee by seven games and they trail the Dodgers by 13. So they wouldn't even be talking about anything. Uh, Cincinnati wouldn't have been relevant as long as they were. You know, I mean, even the Mets or the Phillies, I mean, they would not have been as relevant for as long as they were this year if it weren't for the wild card. So uh, I'm all, all for it, but I do think it should be two out of three. I just don't think, I, I just don't think it's fair. You know, that a Dodger team, and, you know, look, you could say, well, then you should win the division. And that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But I think if you're going to have the two wild cards, make it two out of three. Make it two out of three with the, uh, you know, and if you want to make it so that the team with the best wild card record hosts all three games, I'd be fine with that too. But I just think the one and done is just, uh, you know, it, it's it's just rough. You know, I just think that I don't think it's fair, you know. So, anyway, that's my that's my riff on that. The Dodgers did win yesterday, by the way. They picked up their 100th win. Corey Seager with a couple of home runs for the Dodgers. Julio Urias, his 19th win. He's the only pitcher in Major League Baseball that has a chance to win 20. He's 19-3. and three. Not that wins are that big a stat anymore. They're not valued the way they used to be valued. You can say whether that's good or bad. I think it's bad because I don't like the way the game has evolved where you know you pitch five innings and they get you out of there because, God forbid, you face a lineup three times. You know, and, and I'll, I'll say this. I can't stand 
the Sunday night baseball team on ESPN with Matt Vaskersian and Alex Rodriguez. It, it is just brutal. It just they don't allow the game to breathe. Alex, I mean, Alex Rodriguez just needs to shut the hell up most of the time. But I will say this. He made a good point last night, and he said at some point, managers are going to have to let pitchers learn how to get into trouble and how to work out of trouble. You know, uh, and it's not happening. You know, if there is a... A whiff of trouble. Managers are getting guys out. They don't allow them to learn to work through adversity. And that's, it's, you don't, it's just not, it's just, what do you do then? I mean, you know, at some point, or maybe the game has just changed irrevocably. Maybe it's never going back to the way it was. And I just am the old man saying, get off my lawn. And starting pitching doesn't matter anymore. Well, if it doesn't matter, then we shouldn't have guys. We shouldn't even worry about it. Every game will be a bullpen game. I hope to hell that never happens. But but Alex Rodriguez is right. At what point are we going to let pitchers learn how to deal with trouble? You know, they let you let Max Scherzer work through trouble. You know, there are a handful of guys you'll let work. And now these young kids coming up, if you don't allow them to learn that, we're never we're, we're, we're going to be raising a crop of starting pitchers who are soft. I was going to use a different word, but it's not a very kind word. We're, we're raising, we're, we're, we are developing a crop of starting pitchers that have no guts and are soft because managers will not allow them to work out of trouble. Because we, all we want to do is push the panic button. I've seen it happen so many times this year with Alex Cora where, you know, he rushes to get guys out of games. And he goes to a bullpen that stinks. Now, there are a few guys he will let go a little bit longer. But more often than not, the, 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 uh, the, the hook is out way too early. So I can't believe I'm saying that A-Rod was right about something. And as Dave Massey just pointed out on Facebook, that A-Rod is a boob. I can't argue. You know, I, I mean, those guys on Sunday night, it's just unwatchable. I spend more time yelling at the television for them to shut up than I do anything. Just let the game breathe. You know, and you listen to A-Rod and, you know, you'd think he's the greatest player in the history of baseball. And, you know, to be fair, he was a good player. Without the, without the steroids, he was a good player. You know, and would he have been a Hall of Famer without the steroids? He might have been. He might have been. But, you know, let's calm down a little bit. He's not the greatest player in the history of baseball. But if you listen to him, he knows everything. But this was one point I, I have to give him. He was right on this one. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Monday morning. Um, we will be here tomorrow. That is our plan. We will be on the road uh, Wednesday, Thursday, heading to North Carolina, looking for uh, new digs for uh, the studio and for my wife and I. We're going to be house hunting down there. for. So I will be away uh, for a week. But the plan is is that we will be here on Friday. Dan Zampano is going to join us for our normal Friday spot um, I am going to try to get online from uh, down in North Carolina, depending on uh, 
internet availability, et cetera. So uh, just watch our uh, Facebook page, watch uh, our website, and uh, it'll be able to tell you whether we're going to be on or not. But we will do our best to get on as often as we can uh, over the next week. But we will be here for sure uh, tomorrow, at least uh, for part of the day. Um, anyway, the uh, New England Patriots yesterday. Um, now, when we had Dan Zampano on on Friday, and he doesn't normally pick against his New England Patriots, but he said before this game even happened that uh, the Saints were going to win this game, and they did. And it was 28-13, to 13, Saints victory. It wasn't that close. It really wasn't. Um, and, and if you are the Patriots, you have now, oh, you're 1-2, and two, you're 0-2 at home, and you have Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to Foxborough for a Sunday night game this week. You are on your way to 1-3, and three, and you have to look at this team and the way it is performing offensively, and you have to say, what is the difference between this year's team with Mac Jones and last year's team with Cam Newton? And the answer is, offensively, there's no difference. This team is still struggling to move the ball. They are struggling to finish drives. You know, they get into the red zone and they just can't finish and they end up settling for field goals. Um, Mac Jones damn near got killed yesterday. This offensive line was supposed to be the strength of this team. It was supposed to be, now I know Trent Brown is out, but still, this offensive line was supposed to be one of its strengths. Mac Jones got hit 11 times yesterday. Got sacked three times. Threw three interceptions. He threw three interceptions because he was, he was having to unload the ball long before he wanted to because of the pressure. You know, this Patriot team got dominated by the Saints. It wasn't, look, and the Patriot defense did not play badly yesterday. It really didn't. Um, Judon had uh, two and a half sacks yesterday. He has looked really good. I mean, he's he was one of the additions. Matthew Judon has looked really good. Um, but if you look at, they spent $56 million in the offseason on a pair of tight ends. Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. $56 million is what they spent in free agency. They spent $175 million overall in free agency. Phenomenal amount for any team. And for the Patriots, it's just unheard of. And yet, with the exception of what they've gotten, uh, maybe from Judon and a couple other guys, the, the free agents uh, not getting it done. And Hunter Henry was one of the reasons, you know, we talk about how the Patriots can't finish drives they had an opportunity yesterday just before halftime and they've got a fourth and one. And what happens? Hunter Henry, who's on offense and knows the snap count, moves early, gets called for a false start. They have to get backed up five yards and instead of having an opportunity uh, for a, uh, a touchdown, they have to settle for a field goal. So instead of it being 14 to 7, it's 14 to 3. And those are the kinds of things that we are used to seeing from the Patriots last year. 
you know, and we have seen that time after time after time this year as well. You know, look, uh, Jameis Winston was fine for the Saints. He wasn't anything special. You know, he did throw a couple of touchdown passes, took care of it, uh, took care of the football, didn't throw interceptions. Alvin Kamara ran for 89 yards, had a receiving touchdown. He was okay. You know, he, he didn't have a monster game. I thought the Patriots did a good job of putting pressure on both Jameis Winston and containing Alvin Kamara more often than not. But when you lose the turnover battle by three, you're not winning football games, period. Here's a stat for you. Since the year 2000, the Patriots at home are 108-7, and seven, including the playoffs, 108-7 and seven when they win the turnover battle. So if you don't turn the football over, you have an opportunity to win games. And it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to figure that out. But that's a pretty impressive number. Well, three interceptions, one of them a pick six, and uh, the Patriots lose. And now th- there is a very real chance that this Patriots team is going to be one and three because I will be absolutely gobsmacked if they beat. Tampa Bay next week. Tom Brady is going to come in there with his eyes on fire. Now, the Patriots maybe got a bit of a break, uh, and and you hate to see this, but Rob Gronkowski appeared to have uh, a rib injury. He took a shot yesterday in that game uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and left the field and went into the locker room, didn't come back. You know, we'll have to see whether it's broken ribs and, you know, if, if it is, you know, does he, is he able to play? Do they put a flak jacket on him? What's going to happen? So it may be we won't see Gronk, but this team is loaded. And they will probably have Antonio Brown next week, uh, the Bucks will. He missed this week's game because of uh, COVID. Not that it would have made any difference. Uh, the Bucks lost this week, but it wasn't Tom Brady's fault. It wasn't Rob Gronkowski's fault. Uh, Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams came in yesterday and beat the Bucks, or not? Didn't come in. They they hosted the Bucks and beat them by 10, 34-24. Tom Brady threw for four hundred and thirty-two yards and two touchdowns. Well, actually, one of them. He only won pa- touchdown passing. He ran in for another one. And th- now joined Drew Brees, by the way, as uh, the only quarterbacks to ever throw for eighty thousand yards in a career. That's just ridiculous. But it was the first time in Tom Brady's career that he threw for 400-plus yards and had no interceptions, and he lost a game. He did everything he could do because the Bucs couldn't run the football at all. You know, and if you're, that's got to be a bit of a concern. Now, some of it's because they were playing from behind a lot. But you have to be concerned with how little Tampa Bay has been able to run the football this year. But Matthew Stafford, another huge game. He was uh, 27 of 38. He threw four touchdown passes, 343 yards. And, you know, he was great in week one. He was pretty good in week two. And he was great in week three. He hit Deshaun Jackson for a long bomb yesterday when his team was uh, already up 14-7. That put him up 21-7, and you just knew at that point, you know, when when Deshaun Jackson caught that long touchdown pass, that it was over. 
you know, and Brady and, and the Bucks just kept trying to play catch up and they could never quite get there because Matthew Stafford was just too good. Uh, by the way, Deshaun Jackson, uh, three catches, 120 yards. He now has nine career touchdown receptions of at least 75 yards. Only one other player in the history of the NFL has that many in a career. Uh, this actually, I have to be honest, this shocked me. And that was Lance Allworth, uh, Bambi, former uh, San Diego Charger. You know, he had nine in his career. Deshaun Jackson also has nine. I would not have guessed that. You know, I would have, uh, you know, I would have thought that, you know, somebody had more than that or, or, you know, but Deshaun Jackson would not have been the first name on my lips. I'll tell you that. But that was a heck of a win for the Rams. And now a great game next week. The Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Both teams unbeaten, and they will face off next week. Uh, the Rams will host that game, so it'll be in Los Angeles. But there is a real chance because the Super Bowl this year is in the Rams' home stadium. It's at SoFi. There is a real chance that this team could host the Super Bowl and be in it. Uh, this Rams team is really good. And 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 I'll, how about this? Sonny Michel, former New England Patriot, played for the Rams yesterday, made his first appearance, ran uh, uh, for, I think, 65 yards, something like that. Uh, he got the start because of an injury and was okay. You know, I mean, he was... Uh, um, you know, he wasn't anything special, but he held on to the football and, and, and you know, picked up some, some uh, decent gains when they needed him to. But that Rams team is really good. So the Rams and the Cardinals next week, and then the Bucks and Tom Brady on uh, Sunday night. And you know when Dan Zampano was on on Friday, he is going to be vibrating talking about that. The other Los Angeles team, the Chargers, the former San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, with a huge win of their own this week. Now, they were on the road, obviously, since the Rams were at home. But the Chargers went to Kansas City and beat the Chiefs 30-24. to They have now won the Chargers three of the last four times they have gone to Kansas City. Chargers are now 2-1. and one. Kansas City, with consecutive losses, is 1-2. and two. In last place in the AFC West. I mean, I, look, it's way early. Let's not get carried away. But, you know, Justin Herbert yesterday was Mr. Clutch. And you have to give the Chargers some credit. Um, they had a decision to make. It was late in the game. Less than a minute to go in a tie game. So the question is, do we send out our kicker Tristan Vizcaino for a 48-yard field goal. It's fourth and one, right? Most people would say, well, you send out the kicker, you try to, you know, take the lead. But the Chargers decided they wanted to leave it in their young kid's hands. So Justin Herbert, they don't run the ball. Justin Herbert drops back, tries to throw a little jump ball pass. Pass interference call against the Chiefs. Chargers get a first down. And then consecutive completions to Mike Williams, uh, including a touchdown pass with 32 seconds left that gave the Chargers a six-point lead, and they go on to win this thing. So you have to give the Chargers a lot of guts. New coach Brandon Staley, let the young quarterback 
take control of this game, and he out-Mahomed Mahomes. And the Chargers now 2-1. and one. Chargers will face an undefeated Raiders team coming up next week. That one should be fun. Uh, and then the Chiefs will visit Philadelphia next Sunday in a game that they absolutely have to have. It is 44 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. A great way to finish out the NFL uh, games yesterday, by the way. What a uh, uh, spectacular finish between the uh, Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. The Packers win it. Aaron Rodgers does it again. Uh, two big plays to Devontae Adams in a, uh, a last-second drive. They got the ball back down uh, with 37 seconds left on the clock. And Rodgers hits Devontae Adams twice. Mason Crosby, a 51-yard field goal on the final play of the game. And the Packers win 30-28 to at San Francisco. Uh, the Packers, after that embarrassing loss in the opening week, have now won consecutive games. Aaron Rodgers threw for 261 yards yesterday, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, look, since that first win, or that first loss, uh, he has now thrown six touchdown passes, no interceptions in the next two games. And again, he just continues to, uh, you know, say, wait, you know, I told you not to panic. You know, after the first game, he said, it's one game. Let's relax. You know, um, and you know, and you know the the thing I liked yesterday too. Rogers showed some excitement. You know, in in the win last week, you know he was kind of like, I think he came in with a chip on his shoulder because of that week one game, and he was pissed off. Yesterday he showed some uh, some of the old fire. You know, he didn't. He, there's, there, I don't know. There was just something about him in that first win that they had. It just didn't sit right with me. But he looked. Uh, excited yesterday, which was good to see. It was a fun game to watch. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo played well uh, for the 49ers, and, uh, but uh, the Packers showing everybody that uh, there's still life uh, in that team. Now the Packers will host the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday, and then the 49ers uh, will host a reeling uh, Seattle Seahawks team. Um, the... Uh, the Steelers are in trouble. The Steelers got beat by the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday, 24-10. Uh, to 10. Joe Burrow was pretty good, threw three touchdown passes, only threw 478 yards, but they did a good job taking care of the football. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense, pathetic, and uh, there is real concern in Pittsburgh, and there should be, about Ben Roethlisberger and whether that beat-up body is going to be able to get them through the season and get them into the playoffs. They may not be a playoff team, you know, and we're used to seeing Pittsburgh in the playoffs every year. Uh, but that offense just looks awful, you know, so you really have to begin wondering whether, uh, uh, well, I think we're probably seeing the end of Ben Roethlisberger. I think this will be his last season. I just don't think physically he can do it anymore, but uh, a good game for Joe Burrow had to feel good after the injury last year. He has struggled the first couple of games this year, looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, and the heartbreaking win of the day, or heartbreaking loss of the day, how about the Detroit Lions? It looks like you've got to win a big upset win over the Baltimore Ravens. You're up 17-16. Lamar Jackson, you know, 
completes a pass with seven seconds left that puts it on the 49-yard line of the Lions. And they trot out Justin Tucker to try a 66-yard field goal. 66 yards, and he makes it. And the Lions lose 19-17. It is the second time, by the way, that Tucker has beaten the Lions in Detroit. He did it eight years ago. He hit a 61-yarder eight years ago to beat the Lions. 66 yards. It was an NFL record. And if you if you didn't see the highlight, this thing, it was right down the middle, but it just barely made it. It hit the crossbar, bounced up in the air, and then went over it for the field goal. 66 yards. Look, you know, you begin to wonder what's the what's the limit? How you know, I guy guys keep getting stronger and stronger. What's the limit? I remember, you know, remember when sixty three yards was the record for so long. Sixty six yards. It beat the record. The record was sixty four, so it beat the record by two yards. That may be the longest field goal we will ever see in the NFL. But man, if you're the Lions, you're now zero and three, and you got to be just you just there's not much you can say. You just throw up your hands, you know. But at the end of the day. Lamar Jackson, that was a 36-yard pass to Sammy Watkins that got him in, in, in position. And it was even worse if you're Detroit. And this is where if you're Detroit, yeah, you lost on the 66-yard field goal. That was a fourth and 19 play where Jackson hit Watkins for 36 yards. So if you're the Lions, yeah, okay, you lost. But go look in the mirror and say, hey, guess what? We got to play better defense. So tough loss, no question about it. Um, the Giants... And the Jets both lose. Shocking. But for the Giants, another rough one. For the second straight week, the Giants lose on the final play of the game. In this case, it was uh, Young Ho Koo kicked a 40-yard field goal for Atlanta on the final play of the game. And the Giants fall to 0-3. The Jets, um, just when you think it can't get any worse, it did. They were just absolutely brutal against Denver yesterday. Uh, they got embarrassed. Uh, the Buffalo Bills were pretty good yesterday. Josh Allen, a second straight strong game, four touchdown passes. Uh, he scored another one running the football. Uh, and uh, his efficiency a little bit better yesterday was 32 of 43, 358 yards. Uh, and also, by the way, or has already thrown over 100 touchdown passes in his career. And uh, Dan Zampano, Chicago, or uh, Chicago, Cleveland Browns, they beat the Bears easily 26-6 to uh, six yesterday. The Raiders stayed undefeated. They beat the Miami Dolphins in overtime as time expired. The final, there was a one second on the clock when Daniel Carlson lined up for a 22-yard field goal. Uh, and that's the second time, by the way, for the Raiders in their first three games uh, that they've been down by two touchdowns and came back to win. The Dolphins led this game 14 to nothing in the first quarter. So uh, inexplicably, John Gruden's Las Vegas Raiders are 3-0. and So uh, we'll see. They've they got a, a tough one next week against the Chargers, so we'll find out how good they are. Uh, one other thing this morning, I don't know if you watched it this weekend, but an ass-whooping for the United States golf team. Uh, they put on Europe. They beat the Europeans in the Ryder Cup 19-9. to uh, That is the biggest margin of victory ever for the United States in the Ryder Cup. Uh, it broke the record by half a point. I mean, it was just brutal. Dustin Johnson became the first American 
since 1979 to go 5-0 and in Ryder Cup competition in, in one, one Ryder Cup. Just unreal. They had a six-point lead going into the final day and just crushed Europe. Uh, I think Europe, you know, I mean, just won like two matches. Other than that, the United States just dominated. Uh, and, and, and it was really four guys. Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantley, and Zonder Shoffley, who right now are, those four guys are four of the top five players in the world. They combined to go 14-1-2 over the weekend. Uh, impressive as hell. Uh, for the European side, <laughs> whew, you lick your wounds. Uh, one thing of note, though, was Sergio Garcia set a Ryder Cup record uh, with 25 matches won in his career. So congratulations. I mean, he got a win on Sunday, but uh, that was about the only thing uh, the Europeans had to hang their hat on. Uh, Whistling Straits, by the way, is kind of a fun golf course to watch. Here, boy, I tell you what, if you if you strayed off the fairway, you know, and uh, put the ball down near the water, you know, some of that rough down there and the sand down there, there were some absolutely brutal lies around the green. Uh, for guys that uh, that strayed, so it was it was fun to watch. I watched as much of that as I could around uh, the Red Sox and around the NFL on Sunday. But man, what a what a what a performance by the U.S. Ryder Cup team! That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. We leave you this morning with some music from Paul Simon, an oldie, back from the uh, probably the late nineteen seventies. Loves me like a rock. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.